Hey, welcome to Pick Rep. Piccolo's Report, your daily dose of positive. I mean, sometimes we get into some deep, dark stuff, but it always ends up to be positive. Tonight, I have a very special guest, D.B. Sweeney. He's been one of my favorite actors for countless years. Uh, ever since the 80s, all we up till I just saw two dumb mix. And we'll get into that tonight. And also, I have an awesome special co-host, Alicia Hanf. And uh, she's a great friend. And I never know if I spell or pronounce her last name right. But hey, it's Alicia. She's a great guest. She's been on before. Without further ado, let's hop right into it. What is going on, DB Sweeney? This hey, is great, man. Hello. You know, uh, I'm excited, man. I um, I didn't want to bring up some of your old, old work because uh, I think it dates both of us a little bit. But uh, <laughs> No Man's Land. Love it, brother. Yeah, it's a lot it. of fun. Stealing Porsches with Charlie Sheen. How can you complain? I know, man. But, uh, you know, the reason I wanted to have you on the show is you've been a very big vet proponent. Uh, you've worked with the Gary Sinise Foundation as an ambassador. You've done a lot of different things. You've been in uh, front of the camera, behind the camera, uh, narration, and you've done a lot for the veteran community, including one of your very first roles, I believe, was uh, Gardens of Stone. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, that I, I just watched, you know, I was an infantry officer one time and it was after that movie I, I commissioned in 99, but that movie had a big effect on me, the whole dynamic. Um, how did that come about? Was that like a role you really pursued? I know we're, we're going back a, a few years, but if you could just jump into that, that'd be awesome. Yeah, this is right at the beginning of my career. And I had met a casting director named Fred Roos, who was the casting director on Godfather and a bunch of other great movies for Mr. Coppola. And uh, I auditioned for a movie called Seven Minutes in Heaven, or that might be the wrong title, but something like that. It was about two teenage girls have a crush on a baseball player. And Fred thought I'd be perfect as a former baseball player. And he couldn't believe that he, he was unable to talk the, uh, the director of this movie into hiring me. So I think he got kind of annoyed. And he, out to prove her wrong, he brought me in to meet Mr. Coppola on Gardens of Stone. And uh, I had a good audition and then a good callback. And then I got hired for the part. So Fred was somehow vindicated, I guess. Yeah, that if you've not seen Gardens of Stone, it's a timeless movie. It has it's it's very spot on with Arlington, with the Honor Guard, uh, the Tomb, everything. Uh, please check it out. It's a great movie. Um, but one thing I really want to talk about is Two Dumb Mix. It's a short, and I didn't realize it was short. I'm like looking for it, and I'm like, hey, you don't just I could watch this. It's like six minutes, and it was funny, man. Uh, was this just something you came up with uh, yourself, or were you work with Sean Astin and a bunch of other people? Well, Sean Austin and I were in Memphis Bell back almost 30 years ago, and we became good friends. But Hollywood's a weird thing. It's like unless you get another movie together, you don't necessarily, you know, run in the same circles all the time. So but I always liked Sean. And when I bump into him, I'd be like, we should do something. And it never really came to pass. So I started thinking about way, the way viewing habits are changing because I have two teenagers and they watch yeah. content, you know, whatever they want. And they want it to be a little shorter or not necessarily shorter in total, but shorter in bites. So they'll watch a little now, a little tomorrow. And I started thinking about that's kind of how movies started back in the uh, single reel days. Nickelodeons, you know, they have like a 10 or 12 yeah. minute, uh, you know, the whole story would be 10 or 12 minutes because that was the technical limitation of the, the film camera and the projector. And I just started thinking that's a very pure way to tell stories and everything old becomes new again. And that's kind of where we are now with, uh, you know, uh, people looking at their content on their phone or on their laptop or their desktop. And uh, they want to control when it starts, and and uh, they like these short pieces. 
Yeah, I liked how that um, my dog thinks this is the professional. You know, the reason I started this show is because it's short format <laughs> and it's 20, 25 minutes. I was watching Kimmel and I was like, you know what? This is this is the way things are going now. Everything's got to be in these short formats. Quick, boom, get some good guests on. Just talk, chat, and uh, get it going, you know? It's really changing the rules. You know, like I'm sorry to interrupt, but when you when you sort of when you write a uh, a screenplay, you know, you want to introduce your characters and get your story going in about 20 minutes. But now you got to be done by you know 10 minutes or 12 minutes or 15 or whatever the case may be. But there's a whole generation of people that grew up with, uh, you know, you start a video game and and your character jumps right into the middle of 600 zombies or whatever the case may be. With uh, you know, if it's a shooting game, he's right in the middle of the combat. There's not a lot of expositional buildup. So it's an interesting challenge for a writer to figure out how to how to immerse your audience believably right into a, a story just as it's kicking off. Are you muted, Jason? Professional. This is the professional Jason Pickle. You could tell I'm a, a, a dumb Mick or a, a dumb LEO military guy. But no, Alicia, I was gonna say, do you have a you had a question too, right? Yeah, well, I, I have a few, but I just love what you said about coming up with a smaller, more digestible um, piece of content. I think it's interesting what I've seen working with so many, you know, military members and military families is that a lot of us are, are creatives at heart or we, we have a story and we want to figure out how to tell it. And so with platforms like Quibi and Triller and some of these other ones coming out or even with you putting out this um, shorter form content, it gives everybody sort of a seed or a gives them the confidence to say, I have a story to tell. How can I start to put some of this content together and start to tell my story? And you're seeing more and more people pick up cameras and GoPros and their phones and start to just put content out, which I think is really great, especially right now when we're all trying to see. Yeah, you know, we need story. I think I, I might have lost you there at the end, but we, we need story. Uh, you know, people like to hear stories, whether it's around the dinner table or around the campfire or whatever the case may be. And, and, uh, you know, the ability to create it a little bit more efficiently because of the technology has evolved to a point where everybody has it right in their hand. Um, it, it still comes back to the story. And, and do you have good characters? Do you have a good situation? And with two dumb mix, that's what we think we, we have. And we're hoping to, to find a way if, if we get enough people to watch it, uh, you know, on Facebook, facebook.com uh, slash two dumb mix with no B because they're dumb. Um, uh, you know, if, if we get enough viewers, we're going to make a bunch more of these uh, episodes. We have 10 scripts that are ready to go. Sean wants to do it. I want to do it. And we're hoping to, to dive into a whole chunk of these. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you had Chris Martini on there too, um, as a part of, he was yeah. part of the whole crew and Chris has been on the show before. Um, and we're, I'm always pinging him for different things and his, his, his uh, film trooper and a whole bunch of other things are really cool, man. This, this social media network brings people like you and Alicia and everybody else to, different audiences that you might not have had contact with before. And I like how you brought up technology because right now you're on a phone and you look just as clear as we do. <laughs> and it's like, how come the newscasters nowadays can't just get this going with their Skype connections, but you could do so much with technology now. And I'd love to see more. I, we need more shorts and especially funny ones. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do is, uh, and my initial impetus on this thing was so much of comedy right now is policed and, and everybody has rules about what you're allowed to laugh at, what you're allowed to make fun of. And I thought that's not the purpose of comedy. Comedy should bring us together. And, and if you make a bad joke or you, or you misstep, 
comedically, it shouldn't be punished the way it is. So I thought I'm going to start from a safe place, which is I'm going to make fun of two stupid Irish people, which is <laughs> I'm Irish descent. So I thought I'm allowed to do that. And then we could build out from there. But I, I'm hoping to be, you know, I'm not going to be the great unifier or something, but I'd like to be able to create a bunch of episodes with Sean where everybody feels like they know somebody in the episode and we feel like we're laughing at everybody and with everybody. And I saw you grew up on the East coast as well. I'm from Jersey. Um, and I saw your, your came from long Island. So that's kind of a, it's a different comedic value. I should say coming from the East coast. I don't know, Alicia, what do you think? Oh, I, I definitely think so. I'm from sunny California, although it's not very sunny right now. Um, and I think we're just completely different from the East coast to the West coast, but I think that uh, gives you your own unique flavor. And you mentioned something about having teens and that's what got you to work on the shorter project. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on TikTok and if you've used it and, and if you have, you have to tell us all about it. You know what? I haven't dipped my toes into TikTok yet, uh, but I, I TikTok, but I know all about it. I mean, I've heard it from my kids and I've had people send me, you know, the, the, the little uh, proceeds of that uh, endeavor. And uh, you know, it's, it's interesting uh, I, I'll find a way in there eventually, I guess, because, you know, everything uh, evolves, you know, in parallel lines in terms of delivery of entertainment, but not not so far. Well, let yeah, us this, know when you do. Whole, we'll have to join you. I'd love it. Absolutely. Yeah, this whole content thing is, uh, it's funny, man. It's like, okay, you listen to professionals, you're like, you got to put out 10 or 15 posts a day. You got to do this. You got to do that. And uh I, I don't know, man. I think these four or five minute shorts will be kind of that new content thing where yeah. if it's once a week, a few times a week or whenever you can put it out and yeah, now you can collaborate anywhere. Yeah. And if you have good stories and good characters, I think that's going to elevate it. I think that's what Quibi is trying to do with, uh, but they're yep. just spending a lot of money on it. I don't think they necessarily have good shows and good characters yet, but uh, mm -hmm. hopefully maybe two dumb mix will end up on there or somewhere like it. Um, but I, I, you know, there's only so many, you know, uh, penguins running up the stairs you can watch or, or epic fails or all the mm -hmm. other stuff that's been sort of the um, the backbone of short form content over the last five, seven years. Most of it is not rewatchable. No, it's not. And like, I really actually want to go back and watch two dumb again. Cause I know, you know, you watch it really quick and you're like, did I miss something? Cause I feel like I missed something, you know, it's like different things and it's, it's funny. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it, man. Now, just what else did I? I mean, I actually did a little preparation. I usually just kind of wing these things and just kind of pick up on some. I use my interview and interrogation techniques. To, but with yours, um, the narration and the voiceover, I never realized that until I started looking. And I'm like, that is you, um, especially yeah. when it comes to like veteran films and a bunch of other different things and documentaries. Yeah, I think. It's so, fun. how did you? I mean, I loved yeah. radio like uh, as as a kid and. I used to listen to the radio, which was kind of a, anachronistic, you know, in the 70s and 80s. But I, I always mm -hmm. enjoyed it. I liked the old classic shows. And whenever I drive my car, I always put on, you know, the old time radio on, on Sirius or wherever I can find it. And I just feel like in, in a lot of ways, it takes a lot of skill to uh, to tell a story believably using only your voice to somebody else's ears. So that was my first exposure to that form. And then I got into voiceovers myself because I thought, well, I want to be a part of that end of the business. Yeah, it's it's definitely the, the way that the way of the future is. Uh, and I've found that since I've I've I have a podcast other than this with a hundred uh, episodes, and I find my voice has changed a lot. When as soon as this mic goes on, my voice changes. Has that happened to you as well? 
Well, yeah, I mean, initially getting used to hearing the sound of your voice recorded is very weird and awkward. And then, you know, for certain things, like right now I narrate this show called Mountain Men on History Channel, which is, you know, I think we're in the eighth season now, and it's a, it's a very successful show for them. Um, I, you know, my voice, I definitely make it a little bit more like, you know, 2,500 miles up in the, the Tobacco Root Mountains. You know, I make it, I try to sound like one of the mountain men. And I, you can't do that too much on a lot of shows because you don't want to draw attention to yourself when you're the narrator. But um, I was the voice of Bud Light for a while, and I would just think to myself, okay, I want to sound like a guy who's having a beer with you. So I would try to make that sound. That would be my, I don't know if you guys are golfers, but that would be my swing thought. And in Mountain mm-hmm. Men, I'm, I'm like, uh, okay, I'm going to be one of the Mountain Men. So I, it's, a, it's a kind of a cool uh, form of acting if you can figure out how to do it. That's awesome. That's super you interesting. I think, yeah. Um, when I have a microphone in front of me, I don't have a microphone now, but I feel like I get this. Chris Voss, he calls it this like late night radio DJ voice. I feel like my voice gets more like sultry. I become this like woman behind the microphone. Um, I need a, I need that mic, Jason. You said you were sending me one so I can put that voice uh-huh. on for this podcast. Um, one of the great. things that was, <laughs> thank you. One of the <laughs> things that was so interesting about you that I found so interesting was that you haven't served in the military, but yet you, it seems you're just so wired to serve. You've done tours overseas in Iraq. Um, you've done a lot to support our troops. So I'm just curious where that came from, this desire to serve and give back to our troops. And what um, call to, to action or message you would have for anybody who's sitting at home, who's thinking, I would like to serve and give back right now. And and what does that look like for me serving from home? Well, I, uh, I had a Navy ROTC scholarship and uh, it was not for me. You know, I don't know if I had gone to Annapolis or West Point, I'd been really immersed in those particular cultures. That might have been better for me but I was I was in a college that was very hostile to ROTC and it just it just wasn't a good fit for me I was not interested in engineering that much and I know not everybody in ROTC is engineering but you know you need to be in uh, studying something useful and I didn't know what I was going to study anyway it ended up being acting and clearly the military doesn't need a lot of that I mean maybe the politicians need that but not the military but uh, um, I, I just sort of always kind of felt like oh man I missed my chance to serve and then as I grew older, I got in uh, uh, Gardens of Stone. I spent a lot of time around the old guard and the, and the, the men and women now who, uh, who protect, who not protect, but uh, uh, patrol the, uh, uh, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, the President's Guard. And then later I did Memphis Bell and I was around a lot of uh, 8th Air Force, World War II veterans. So over my career, I've had a lot of opportunities to play people and be around people who served. And I just my admiration has grown and grown. And then after the events of September 11th, I knew that um, many young people were going to be called upon to, uh, uh, you know, go into combat and go, uh, you know, downrange and, and face great difficulties and their families were going to face great difficulties. So I thought, what can I do? And I, I tried to, you know, summon up the ghost of Bob Hope and, uh, you know, do my job, which is to try and entertain people and take their mind off the, the stress and the isolation that often goes with serving. You know, that's why I have Alicia on here, because she has the really good questions. Me, I'm just like, hey, DB, you're an awesome actor, man, and I love watching two dump mix. But I really do appreciate you giving back to the community. It's it's an actual – I'd love to see more uh, more people remember that we've been at war for almost two decades now. Um, Alicia and I have both went overseas, um, never really expected it myself, because I was a 90s war kid – or I mean a 90s military kid. A kid then later on i was an officer so i can get recalled at any time 
but I've been seeing like, you know, you have Gary Sinise and uh, now you have Chris Pratt's a very big proponent of the military. And now you're seeing a lot of different people kind of, they're putting their foot into the veteran waters and they need more, um, I could say, quote unquote, ambassadors like yourself to kind of show them the way. And I really appreciate that. And I thank you for that. Yeah, well, there's nobody better than uh, Gary Sinise in terms of, you know, lighting the path. And uh, Gary's a friend of mine, somebody I admire very much. And uh, it's a great honor to be an ambassador for his foundation. And, uh, you know, but there are some more people, like you mentioned, Chris Pratt, Rob Riggle's a guy. He's yeah. 17 years in the Marine Corps. And uh, we lost Lee Ermey, obviously, he's the, probably the most uh, visible Marine in the world. And, uh, you know, I think I haven't met him, but Adam Driver apparently served in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Briefly. And yeah, so I, I think, uh, you know, the, the great days of Hollywood. Um, everybody, everybody either Jimmy went to war, yeah. World War II, or they, or they at least supported the troops. And then we went through this period and with the Vietnam era, where somehow people confused the politics and the and the decisions um, at a very high senior levels with what soldiers were asked to do. Yeah. Soldiers became demonized, and we need to yeah. continue to to fix that damage in our country because we've gone a long way back in the right direction, but there's there's more to do. You're absolutely right there. And um, this is something I talked about in my TEDx talk, but um, transition is hard no matter what you do, you know, whether you're transitioning into college or out of college or into a new job or you're having children, we're constantly in transition. Um, but for military veterans and military spouses, sometimes when we transition out of the military, especially if we've gone to war, coming back and reintegrating into society can seem super lonely and super isolating and frustrating. And a lot of times it's because what you said, people associate um, what we've done in, in serving in the military as, you know, our relation or connection to politics. And that's not the case. And really, we just want to give back. And most most times, you know, I'm still serving. You're still giving back. Um, we come back and we're still serving our communities. We're still leading. We're still finding ways to make a difference. And so having you, as like Jason said, as an ambassador and what I like to call rewriting that narrative and and really highlighting our veterans and military spouses as just leaders and great people to have in every community. I think it's so important to bridge that gap for those who might not feel that way. Well, I'm just glad to pitch in and do whatever I can. And, and there's, you know, there's so many people doing more than, than me, but I, I, any chance I get to say thank you to people like you who served and especially people who deployed, um, you know, it's our country's uh, built on the backs of you both and, and those who came before you. And, and I think that, we have to continue to teach our young people and we have to continue to um, to uh, celebrate and acknowledge people who set their lives and their own ambitions to the side in order to serve so that the rest of us don't have to. And you're doing it. You're absolutely doing it. You're doing it by spreading this message and you're also doing it by just having content and creating and having, you know, you brought it up before the world needs comedy and you don't need, uh, you need real comedy, like raw comedy, just fun stuff, man. It doesn't, nothing has to be all politics all the time or all virus, all Rona, all everything. And I really want to be able to support this as much as possible because, you know, five, six minutes is perfect, man. Especially like, and I watch it on my phone or we watch it on computers or anything. Hardly anybody's watching real TV anymore unless you're, you have the time, but this is awesome, man. Well, I hope we can deliver a whole bunch more episodes and keep entertaining people. And, you know, one of my greatest pleasures has been if I go visit the troops and we're able to show a movie and, and just, you know, take everybody's mind off of, uh, of their jobs for a minute. And uh, the fact that they're away from their families and, 
you know, that's a great, uh, great pleasure for me. I, when I first started trying to go out and see the troops and, uh, you know, sailors and, and wherever they were, I, I felt like it was a, a sense of obligation or duty or, you know, trying to do something like that. And now when I go, I feel like I, I've, I've become a taker. You know, I, I feel so much better when I meet the young people that continue to sign up and take the oath and put on the uniform. And, you know, I just, it gives me a great sense of comfort about the future of the co country that we continue to produce young people like we do. That's, I really appreciate it, man. We all do, believe me. Um, I knew I wasn't going to let you get away without talking about the cutting edge. Um, I'm a very macho man, law enforcement for, you know, 20 years, military, infantry, artillery. Uh, I love cutting edge, man. I'm not going to lie. I could watch it like tomorrow and I'll still be like, it's just a fun movie, man. Uh, did you skate before that or or how did that happen, man? No, you know, I, I'd made a few movies, Aim and Out, where I, you know, I played baseball, yeah. but I showed them that I could learn to hit left hand in a short period of time. So I, I couldn't skate, but they thought, well, we'll train you for three months and take whatever we can get, and then we'll use stunt doubles. And Maura Kelly and I both, uh, we trained at the same rink in New York City, and we worked really hard, and I, we both got a lot further ahead than they ever expected. And we were pushing each other, and Maura actually we got so good at figure skating, and she was starting to land jumps. But unfortunately, the first week of filming in landing a jump, she broke her leg. So she couldn't skate in the movie at all. So they were asking me to do a lot more skating with the stunt doubles and with, you know, with, uh, you know, skater partners who were pro skaters. And then they would use that person. To, uh, Sharon Cars was the main one, uh, Moira's double, who, you know, when you skate behind somebody in Paris figure skating, they make you better because you imitate their stride. Mm -hmm. They give you balance. They give you sort of a, a foundational support. And uh, because of that, I ended up skating in the movie a lot more than they planned. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, Alicia, you've got the last, well, one of the last questions. I have to ask uh, the hard one after this. Okay, so I'm going to ask, just because you're from Long Island, I asked this question last time. So um, I was in New York last year for the first time in Long Island and had like a proper New York bagel, and I love bagels. So I had an everything egg bagel with salt. They probably used like a block like this big of cream cheese had to. There was so much cream cheese on it, but it was amazing. Um, so I have to know what's your favorite bagel and how do you uh -huh. have it? How do you order it? Well, uh, oh, okay. I was going to have, I was trying to figure out which store I was going to say, but I won't, you know, uh, I won't say that because I don't want to make anybody mad at me. But uh, I, my go-to <laughs> is an onion bagel with uh, mm. a little bit of, a uh, little bit of lox, not too much, a little bit of cream cheese, not too much uh onion tomato and a little capers i mean just a little spritz of uh tomato uh, i mean i'm sorry uh lemon juice and oh and my pepper, gosh and pepper on top that's my that's my dream bagel when i get back to new york <laughs> i live in chicago now wow. and i like everything about chicago better except the bagels and pizza yeah well what do you think about garrett's uh, popcorn yeah it's good i mean i'm not i like popcorn <laughs> that's more salty than sweet so i, I like okay. this one that's pretty good but that's not my uh, guilty snack. For me, it's pizza. Okay. As soon as I get off yeah. the plane pizza. LaGuardia, I, I get uh, in the cab and I, I, get a there's play. a couple places I like to go to in Queens and Manhattan. I just, I actually make a little pizza run. With the small pepperonis. I, yes. Uh, <laughs> man, I'm getting, you know, I don't, I don't pass up a meal. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but once, you know, I think that Alicia, that might be our new question. What's your favorite bagel? Because, uh, I love bagels, man, and I miss them. I'm at right outside of DC now, and there's like, we don't have good bagels here. There's, there's no bagels. <laughs> no, New York and Florida is really the only places I've ever found that had them. And the places yeah. in Florida that are good at it, some of them actually bring the water from New York. Yeah. Uh huh. So we, were, we talked we about the other night. The water. Yep. 
And well, you know, you Florida is basically New York, New York South. So yeah, I mean, then New York. Okay, DB, this is the tough question. We ask it every night. Usually, I have my awesome co-host Amelia, who just turned ten today. So happy birthday, babe! Um, she usually asks this question, and uh, it, it has stuff to do with your past, like you. But this is just about the history. If you could go back in time and change anything, what would you do? What would I do? Um, well, that's a hard one. Um, <laughs> I, I was thinking because, you know, this is a military. Uh, you guys are both former military. And I was just thinking uh, um, if if General Lee had some emodium, he probably would have taken the high ground. He wouldn't have been suffering yeah. diarrhea. He would have taken the high ground at Gettysburg. And uh, our country's history would be different. Not that I was rooting for the Confederacy. I'm just saying, you know, I just think that's such a fascinating battle. <laughs> Go back and give Robert E. Lee some emodium um, in, uh, <laughs> in May of 1863. Um, so I would say, uh, um, what would I do? Um, wow, that's such a great question, but it's so broad, the whole expanse of human history. I know. You see, we've had we've already killed Hitler. We've reformed Hitler. We've stopped 9-11. We've stopped the Spanish flu. Um, some have done nothing. Oh yeah, JFK. We've stopped JFK. Did anybody, anybody so, put one in the back of uh, Karl Marx's head yet, or that? Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. That's a good one. Save 150 million people, right? Yeah, more or less. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm gonna have to start writing these down. I mean, I think this is the 20th show already. You may discover a time machine, and you're gonna have a cheat sheet. Uh huh. Oh, there yeah. we go. Chicago hot dogs. Chicago so hot dog. God, I haven't had a Chicago hot dog. I've had <sighs> Philly pretzel. Good well, one. This, is a, this, is a, this hat I have on is the. Uh, oh, Chicago. there you oh, go. Yeah, yeah. Power of detail. Yes. Train, train investigator over here. Hey, <laughs> TV. <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on, man. I'm not going to hold you up. Let me throw up here. Uh, to dumb mix. It's streaming right now. You guys could find it's it streaming. everywhere. Yeah, it's on yeah. Facebook and it's on YouTube. There's no yep. B in the dumb because they're dumb. And uh, no. if anybody <laughs> has a comment or a story idea, leave a comment on Facebook and. Sean and I are looking forward to bringing lots more of these to you. Yeah. Let's stream it, like it, follow it, love it. Um, love it. Alicia, DB, if you guys can hang on, I'm going to do our outro and I'll be right back. Okay. I'd like to thank DB for coming on tonight. Great guest, man. I love, I love having great guests. Um, this show is really, really changing my perspective on a lot of different things. And it just, it really helps having great guests like DB and also having an awesome co-host like Alicia. She's a great person. Check her out. She's a TEDx speaker. I mean, come on. And she's the one to ask the really hard questions or the really good questions. Me, I'm just a, a dumb Mick, just like those guys. But check out Dumb Mick, streaming now on Facebook. Like, comment, and, and follow DB and Sean. Also, pick rep. We stream live every night until this virus is over. So uh, I plan on doing 15 shows. We're on show 20-something now, I think. Uh, and we're going to stream live every night until this is over with. Everybody, be safe. Follow, like, subscribe, do whatever you got to do. But be safe out there. Thank you.